Hello and welcome to Your Light is Fearless. My name is Amber, otherwise known as the Malibu Medium. Four years ago, I had a near-death experience that awakened my divine presence. Before that, I lived trapped in my emotions and blocked myself from living my dreams. Now, I am a transformation coach working with the Akashic Records to help others align to their highest path and potential. In this podcast, I will inspire you to go past the limitations you place on yourself as we explore your infinite possibilities in the Akashic Records. The portal is open now. On today's show, we have my good friend and mentor, Danielle Serank, otherwise known as the Squamish Medium. She is a spiritual medium, an indigenous entrepreneur, founder of Spirit School, and host of the Spirit School podcast. So welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for being on my show today. Oh, Amber, I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. You're one of my closest friends, and I'm so happy you're starting a podcast. I couldn't be happier to be a guest. I know. You've been my biggest cheerleader, and I have been wanting to start this podcast for a long while. So I'm so excited too to have you and I have a lot of questions and we're just going to have a chat, like a fun, long chat. Um, So, okay. So what I wanted to start with was you have said before that mediumship development has everything to do or, or is very much affected by our own spiritual journey in life. So I do know you've had would you say you had somewhat of a difficult childhood growing up? Yeah. So the philosophy I have around, you know, mediumship and the self-development are running parallel together at all times. There are things that will come up in mediumship readings, in your development that actually have nothing to do with mediumship or the technique or skill at all. They actually have to do with a lot of unhealed um, trauma, a lot of unhealed wounds that reside within inside of us. So for people who are keen to develop mediumistically, it's going to be unavoidable to start looking at healing yourself and healing the things that you have maybe bypassed to thrive in life. And so one of my philosophies is very much, you know, be prepared to enter a very deep space of healing if you do intend on developing mediumistically and serving mediumistically as well. They, it's unavoidable, those two paths to one another. And yeah, I would say my childhood, um, I had a great childhood while I was living through it, to be honest with you. It's only in hindsight and reflecting back, realizing like, wow, we were actually like the have-nots growing up. And I do remember having to eat at churches and I do remember not having anything new. But when I was living in my childhood, I was pretty oblivious to it all. I lived just like everyone else in my neighborhood and my street. But it wasn't until I was coming into my spirituality when I was about 17 until I was about 31 when I started developing mediumistically that I started looking back at things that happened to me and things, um, just the society and structure that I lived in that I realized like, wow, like there was a lot of oppression and we did grow up in poverty and there wasn't food security. And so even though I wasn't consciously aware of those wounds in my childhood, they did come up for me as I started opening up more spiritually. So would you say that 
your childhood has affected your work ethic or has impacted your drive in any way and what you do now as a spiritual entrepreneur? hundred percent. I mean, I was a very determined little kid. I didn't even know what I was really doing or how it would affect my future. But at about seven to 10 years old, I would spend all my time outside of school making money. I would be knocking on neighbors' doors saying, how can I earn some money? And they would have me like wash their car or I remember picking weeds and I'm sure they didn't need me, but they were just like wanting to support me. I had families nearby that would hire me $20 to go to the store to get them diapers. I would have, you know, some of the families in the neighborhood have me walk their younger kids home from school. I was just such a determined person. And in my youth, I really developed a work ethic that has carried me through my corporate career as well as my spiritual entrepreneurship because of that. And it was very early on, I did realize that if I wanted new shoes, I remember the first thing I went for were those um, Reebok shoes with the lights in them. Yeah. You know, I always had my brother's hand-me-down shoes and I was two years younger than him. And I literally looked like a boy growing up. Everyone thought I was a boy. My hair was always short. And I knew that if I wanted to have some of these things, even at that age, I would have to buy them. So I would earn money every weekend every day after school and I would put half away for Disneyland and I would spend half on Subway cookies and horror films. (laughs) And, you know, within two years, me and my friend were actually able to afford a trip to Disneyland. So I was the first person in my entire family to leave the country of Canada. Um, And that was very indicative of, you know, just the determination and the drive I had to kind of take in my own hands, whatever I wanted, I need to get it myself. And so I think that my youth and again, I was having fun doing it. I really enjoyed it. Like I would walk into pizza shops and be like, can I fold your pamphlets? And they would have me fold pizza boxes after school. Anything to like kind of earn my own money so that I would have that kind of like self-determination, if you will. So yeah, that's amazing. And I think, do you do you feel that part of that is your Virgo personality coming through? And because I know some people's response to childhoods where maybe they feel like they don't have as much as they want is not always that path of self-determination. So how much of that quality or personality trait do you think is in response to your childhood or is in just the kind of your energetic makeup with me knowing that you are a Virgo sign? (laughs) Yeah, Virgos get things done without a doubt. I would say I I look back and I do feel like I was very guided, to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. growing up in my childhood, I never thought anything was wrong. Honestly, like I didn't see lack everywhere. All I saw were opportunities. And so even though I couldn't afford those shoes, I didn't dwell on the fact I couldn't afford those shoes. I was like, I know a way to get these. And so I think that's more of my Sagittarius moon where, you know, it's always kind of like this optimistic and opportunistic outlook on life. And so I do feel very much that I have been very guided through my life, whether it was by angels or guides or my own higher self. And I've just always kind of figured out a way to thrive, even if things were not always set up in my favor systematically. Wow. That's amazing. Something that I'm thinking about as you're talking is how much of that drive, would you say, is what carries you through your success as a spiritual entrepreneur? Because I also know that mindset is so hugely important. And 
I know you very well and I see you as a powerhouse, right? I really truly see you as like the Oprah of Squamish and <laughs> do anything and you can be everything. And, but it's really also, I guess what I kind of want to talk about is how important mindset is to doing this work, whether you're a light worker or a medium um, and having that sustain you through like showing up every day. So how, what would you say about um, what you see is needed in mindset for women or anybody to do this work consistently? Yeah, I think mindset is absolutely very important, but I'm also not a fan of like living off of affirmations or, you know, bypassing thoughts that are not as helpful. Because if we look at the polarities, we can't have light without dark. We need to honor those times where our mindset is not squeaky clean. And we have to honor those times and just let you know, all those thoughts kind of move through us so that we don't have to keep them within us all the time. And then when we feel very much empowered, riding off of that mindset, riding off of that momentum, but really kind of like honoring those times where we do feel down on ourselves, right? Because I feel like, you know, being in the corporate world for so long and the motorsports world, everything's like push through, push through, push through. There's no honoring of cycles. There's no honoring of, you know, it's not a good day for me that constant pushing, pushing through. And it wasn't until I became an entrepreneur and I could create my own schedule that I realized, whoa, like I can't actually push through today. Like I am not feeling myself and I need to show up in front of like 30 people super in my power. I don't want to fake that and I don't want to force that and I'm done with forcing it. So my mindset very much leans into just honor that day. Mm -hmm. Right. Like honor the fact that you don't want to push through and honor the fact that you might not be able to show up as your most like optimistic self. And then just trust on the other side of that, that the old mindset will return because I live there a lot more than this other side. So I do think mindset is very important, but I don't believe in like fake it till you make it. Right. You can't bullshit the universe. So it's like just honor those times where your mindset is just not right because you don't know what a clear mindset actually looks and feels like and what power it can have in your life until you recognize and honor the times where you don't have it, right? Yeah, and I agree so much. And something that I've been thinking about and working on is, I guess, accepting that I can be this and that, or I could be kind of at the same time joyful and healing, like we can be everything at once. And our wounds and our healings and our negative thoughts don't define us. So I love how you honor the shadow side. And at the same time, you hold space for your empowerment and you hold space for the times that you do want to show up. So what would you say is the way you navigate those times in your life when you don't feel like showing up? but you want to kind of help yourself move out of not a dark night of a soul, but just those times when you're feeling maybe reflective or just down, like how do you navigate getting yourself back to a place of expansiveness where you're ready to serve? So this has been a big exercise of awareness for me because not a whole lot has changed in my life and the way that I think about myself and the way that I berate myself, you know, Virgo's rule the mind, we rule the body, we're, we're ruled by Mercury, communication, including self-dialogue. Like Virgos are very well known to berate on themselves and be very, very hard on themselves. 
And so for me, one of the big pivots has just been around awareness. It's like, yeah, you should be bummed out, but like this bummed out, like, do you think that there's actually like an element of yourself that is like this old pattern, this old way of being that isn't really serving you? So I just kind of give myself a little bit of a reality check, like level one to 10, how big of a bummer is this? Okay. It's a three. I'm treating it like it's 10. Where can I honor this three and like, let the other seven just like move on. And so it's kind of like recreating this internal dialogue to be a little bit more helpful. And I'm also somebody who I recognize now, thanks to TikTok, by the way, that I um, have really intrusive thoughts. And intrusive thoughts are something that like Harvard is starting to really study. Half the population has intrusive thoughts. So if I see something like, you know, an animal getting hurt online, I can't get that thought out of my head. And it pops in a very inopportune times. And that's just part of the way that I'm wired and half of society is wired and the other half are not for whatever reason. So I'm also just learning more about the mind and learning more about how like the brain functions and how little we actually know about the mind and how much space there is for us to kind of, you know, recreate our thoughts and recreate our realities. But you can't just replace a good thought with a bad thought. You have to accept the bad thought first and what you can actually own and what has been created because of the overactive mind. So for me, that whole process, I allow myself to get to a space until I start recognizing this is a cycle. You've been here before. And then I have to talk to myself a little bit before I can move out of this space. And the way that I move through it is I'm very extroverted. I get my energy from people. So I will hop on an Instagram live I might go into our community, the Spiritual Collective, and like pop in there. I connect with other people, and that's how I'm able to bring myself through the funk. I spend most of my days in silence and most of my days alone. And so I kind of have to do the opposite. I have to intentionally engage and kind of get my energy and lean back into service by connecting with my audience, really. That's how I kind of get myself out of all that. Well, it's a great way to get yourself out of it. And it's also um, something that I know I appreciate as being someone in your community and your mentor. Um, I appreciate so much your honesty and your authenticity and the willingness to share your spiritual you know, journey. And also something that you were talking about that I want to say is this idea of how we get out of our minds and thoughts is by like asking questions so that we can see what is that deeper meaning behind it. Would you say that that's when you're able to receive like your soul's wisdom or your higher self's wisdom by like opening yourself up to to either the deeper meaning behind what these intrusive thoughts or what you're, you know, what you're talking about that might be not even your own? Like, do you think that that's how you connect to your higher self and your soul? Yeah. I mean, I hope that this isn't the way for the rest of my life because things change as I grow and expand and evolve. That connection with my higher self also expands and grows and evolves and how I access her. For now, some of my biggest, most profound connections with myself have been on the other side of a breakdown right? That kind of like breakdown to breakthrough. So kind of like when I hit that, like I can't take anymore, like when I hit that spot is usually when I get the most clarity and I get those moments of like true divine self-connection. Now I do hope that I don't have to get to that space to get to that space my whole life. 
But where I'm at now, nine years into my journey, that's how I access those parts of myself. And when I connect in with um, beings around me, it's actually the opposite. It's there. I don't sense them. I don't get those inspirations when I'm in that deep, deep space. That's all about self for me. And it's actually when I'm on my flow and I'm like, you know, riding high in life and I just feel like so elevated that I actually get more inspirations from outside of myself. But when I go down those dark, deep places, it's all me, baby. <laughs> like it's all me. It's just yeah. me and my higher self, and my soul and being really stubborn. You know, maybe I could access those places a little bit sooner, but I'm still learning to come out of those self-depreciation moments and that berating on myself. And it's not until I can see that for what it actually is that I can get to those next steps. So I, I, I do not bypass a single thing in my existence anymore at all. Yeah, well, I and I agree. Like we have to, if we're not honest with facing our feelings and accepting them and how I see when we go through those dark times is meeting the limits of our human self, which then lead us to the unlimited side of who our spirit or soul, you know, essence is. But I just wanted to pivot for one moment here and ask you and go a little bit more into the spiritual entrepreneur side of things, because I guess being that I'm a Capricorn, I'm super interested in the business aspect of what you call being a spiritual entrepreneur, which includes right anything, mediumship, whatever it is that you do, because we as the lightworker communities have so many different modalities that we utilize. But I wanted to ask you about the the industry itself and how, from what I see and what I feel, is it because it became when I was younger, the Sylvia Browns and all the people that were doing this work seemed very mysterious to me. It seemed like something I could never do. And now all of a the sudden there are so many people doing this work and really owning it and using social media in a way that I think is amazing. It, it has given us women so much freedom and power to do this work. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that there isn't that many regulations. You know, it's a new industry. So I'm wondering where you see the, I'm calling it an industry. Where do you see it going? And how do you see your role in it? Because I see you as someone who is helping other women very much start their own businesses and, and feel and be empowered. So I'm just wondering if you have seen yourself like that or where you kind of see yourself in this industry and then where you see the industry going. Yeah. So my experience, because I never thought I would be an entrepreneur, it was never my plan. Even being a teenager, when I really kind of like lost myself, my parents were like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I don't know, working in an office like my mom. And I totally manifested that for myself, by the way. And I've always been somebody who's been in the background. I've always been supporting the executive or supporting the C-level people. I've always been in that kind of like supporting role. So this pivot for myself to be front and center and to like be self-determining when it comes to my abundance, to the way that I structure my business, to what I actually do and what I don't want to do is very new to me. I'm completely self-taught because by design or just by me not quite knowing my value early on is a lot of the teachers and mentors, this is mediumship mentors, this is light coaches that I was really attracted to are a little bit gatekeepers when it came to a lot of the business side of things. I remember 
my first mentor when I opened up my business in 2017. I hired a business coach and I remember her really calling me out saying, you don't have a business. You can't think about mediumship as being something that you can get rich off of. Like that's where I was going and that wasn't even my intention. But then I realized in hindsight that might have been hers. You know what I mean? Like projecting on me a little bit. And so there was a lot of shame around giving mediumship readings as a business. But the fact is I needed a business license from the district, which cost me money. Once I hit $30,000 in one year, I had to start paying taxes on all the money that I was collecting and starting to charge taxes. So in every other essence of the structure, it is a business in every way. And so I never had any role models ever that talked about that. Even some of the most well-known mediums don't typically talk about the business side of this. So everything I have is completely self-taught. And the way that I even opened up in my mediumship mentorship has been around, there's no gatekeeping here. I am not holding back a thing. Whatever happens for me, I will share with you because when I got called out for that kind of approach early on by my mentor saying, you're too vulnerable. People aren't going to want to work with you if you're that vulnerable. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, people need to know this stuff because this isn't the nice stuff. So my approach to business has been play. It's been, I don't see what other people are doing. No one talks about it. I don't know how much money other people are making. I don't know if their structure is serving them or it is not serving them. And so for me, my entrepreneurship path has been really an experiment. And it's been this fearlessness when it comes to failure because I don't fear failure. I fear success more than failure in my life. And I've just been testing things and I've been sharing with my audience and sharing with my clients everything that's worked for me and everything that hasn't worked for me. And you guys can do what you will with that wisdom. You can learn from my lessons or you can try it out for yourself and maybe something will work for you that didn't work for me. And what I feel very much as part of like my role in being like a business mentor, like my program, The Calling is what I talk about spiritual entrepreneurship in, has been around really healing this concept that we cannot be abundant on this path. You know, taking money for spiritual services is inherently bad because that's intergenerational for us, this wound and really kind of coming out of that. So I talk openly about money in that one, how much I make, how much I spend, what my expenses are. And I feel that that in itself is very integral, right? Because now I know what I know about this industry. I look around at people who have been gatekeeping knowledge and I can see why, because there are people who are making millions and not living that lifestyle publicly because I feel very much that there is still shame around being very abundant on this path. But the fact is I went from a nine to five. I can't do this work in nine to five. (laughs) I work 10 hours a week max. And that's between teaching, readings, online, backend. It, It requires more energy, not just to work for yourself, but to also do this like energetic work where you just give your energy so freely. So again, constantly pivoting, constantly experimenting, constantly sharing with everyone what's coming up for me so that other people can walk this path a little bit more freely. And that doesn't mean that I'm exempt from you know an easy path. I want this path of continually growing and learning because I love teaching. And that is the thing that I love the most. So I hope the future of this business and the future of this industry will be one where we share a lot more freely and openly about our experiences, about our finances, about the wounds that we overcome. So that the next generation can come up and deal with different stuff and we stop this cycle 
that we've been in for hundreds of years. And I feel that that's our role here and now is to start ending some of those old patternings and those old cycles and doing the intergenerational healing so that the next wave, our children, their children can do this work and like truly make big impacts in the world without having to deal with this back end stuff that was really set up by patriarchy and those old structures around money. So from what I have seen and with like my channeling is that the like the patriarchal system is coming to an end the divine feminine energies are kind of coming around this cycle and at some point hopefully they will be balanced but what i see happening through what you're teaching and how you're empowering other women that are light workers is breaking down like you said these old paradigms and at the same time building new ones and giving women, first of all, freedom to create businesses and then a new way of working, which is working with energy and not working, you know, the same hours, but knowing that you are holding value. Cause I know you always talk about this. It's not like how much you work, but it's about like the value of your energy. So it's really this, this industry, this business and the way that, that you and me and all these, um, I say woman, but I should say people that are in this industry, we are changing the way that things have been done and the way that we view things. And really, we are you are leading with your divine feminine. I know that you have said in the past that you don't really look at yourself as feminine, but at the same time, you are so much more feminine than you know, because everything that you're saying is literally leading with your divine feminine. So I see you as very divinely feminine and just hearing you speak it's like leading from the heart honoring your feelings leading with energy or or working in energy and not hours and money like there's no structure like i actually didn't even realize how little structure you have like i kind of (laughs) that you like you're building this kind of empire you have you must have all this structure but you're literally playing, being vulnerable, leading from the heart, and just embodying the divine feminine. I appreciate you recognizing that because like even the way that I teach mediumship, either you love it or you hate it, it's it's not very structured, right? It's like we are all natural mediums. And the way that I teach mediumship is like, let's watch the natural medium unfold, whatever that looks like for you, because we don't want everyone sounding the same. We don't want everyone going for the same five pieces of evidence. It's like, and and business is very much the same for me. You know, me and my husband, who he is not woke. We talked about this a lot in in our conversations where I used to joke. I was like, guess how much I worked today? And he would guess and I'd be like, oh, two hours. I'm like, guess how much I made? And he was like, I don't know, $200. I'm like, $2,000. He's like, how? Like how? I'm like, I don't know how it works. All I know is the more I lean back and the less I try to control everything around me, like the more abundant I am. And it's like playing with that because I am masculine. Like my, my struct, my astrology chart, eight eight out of 10 planets are a masculine energy. I'm a Capricorn South node. I come in from lifetimes of being a worker bee. This lifetime is not about that, but this is the stuff that just comes easily to me that really surprises me. But there was a lot of deconditioning from the corporate world when I went full time because I did try to structure it. I booked six months out. I kind of tried to predict when I would actually want to work. And then when I'm in that space and I'm 
what's being asked of me for myself is to lean into that feminine and realizing I made a mistake, realizing I don't want to work this much. Actually working this much does not serve me and therefore does not serve the people I'm serving. And then having to go back like, okay, can I eliminate the safety that the masculine and feminine requires to book six months out to just booking a couple weeks out and trusting that it will replenish and I can continue to play with my schedule to see the balance of what actually serves me. And there's no one out there saying that it's safe to do that. But also we can recognize safety is very overrated. And what one person thinks is safe, another person won't think is safe. So these old business programs are like dying because they're not one size fits all. And you also have to be you know, a team to like make things work in those ways. I remember taking some business programs from like Amy Porterfield's an example. I love her. I think she's a total sweetheart. Loved her podcast. Took one of her business programs and it took me only a week to realize that this is for spiritual entrepreneurs who really lean into their feminine and don't have a lot of structure. This is not going to work. This is for a certain type of person. So I guess the way that I kind of teach business stuff is just like trial and error. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Like, what is failure anyways? You know, yes. I I heard something from the Sphinx, um, a founder. She did this interview where she was talking about how her dad would like sit her down at the table every day and and ask her and her siblings like, so tell me how you failed today. Mm-hmm. Like he changed the way that we see failure. Yeah. And for for me too, I. It's so important that especially we as a woman change the way we see failure because there's no such thing as failure. Like really, you know, right? It's just like maybe you do something and you want to change the way you do it. You want to pivot. But when I know that I, for me, I used to be paralyzed to do anything in my life if I experienced fear. And now, and I know you talk about this, but I experience fear all the time and I just, move through it. And I, I I mean, hello, your light, that's the name of the podcast. Your light is fearless yeah. because I just choose where I want to like align myself to. Like I, I feel the fear, I honor it, but we have to change the way that we feel so uncomfortable around failure, failure yeah. especially women. It's like the, the patriarchal society has all, has been so much about bravery and just doing everything successful. And I feel like women don't have as much permission to fail, right? Like we don't, we don't let ourselves kind of find our way or find our path. But we've also had this like, you know, coming out of women's rights, like post-Civil War. And then also again, in the 60s and 70s, we have an energy, we have to prove ourselves more than our male counterpart. Mm-hmm. Right. There is that reality out there in the world, especially for all gunning for like the sea level positions and stuff like that. So that kind of energy is out there. But as things are kind of tipping in the feminine favor, it won't be like that forever. And then going back to this failure thing, you know, even in Silicon Valley, most organizations in Silicon Valley, you have to incorporate two failure goals in your um, yearly plans, because in their perspective, if you're not failing, you're not actually innovating. You're not growing. You're not expanding. Exactly. So it's like this failure is kind of like a boomer mindset, I think, and like beyond that we're really kind of coming out of. And I look at, you know, the biggest failure in my business, which was Spirit School, my online school platform, if I could plug it here. (laughs) And, you know, 
it was one of these things, like typically I, I launched things off of inspiration, like my membership, huge successful launch. I launched it. I thought about it at 10 a.m. It was launched by 6 p.m. And it was wildly successful. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't even in a membership at that time. It was just one of these things that I did on a whim. And then I look at Spirit School, which was like a big vision I had for a long time since 2018, since two years before I went you know, full time and I got a grant for it. I, came, I had a business plan around it. I spent months on the online structure. I got my first course up. I launched Spirit School, had one sale. And I mean, devastated, devastated, so much effort. And that was a big failure for me, but I've already crossed over 200K on it now. Like just because it was a failure then, right? Doesn't mean that it has to be a failure forever. Are right? you just going to say that? Like, was it really a failure? No, it was just your starting point. So it's like, we can't, well, I say we can't, we can do anything, but if we could just try not to judge how we go through life and, and what, and just like you would said, take, allow ourselves to take that inspired action and to do things and to really just have freedom. I feel like overall kind of what you are talking about, which is something that I am a hundred percent, I feel like live, trying to live my life in is freedom, mm. freedom to just expand and to move forward in our life and as long as we're like evolving and trying and growing we're going to have all different kinds of what people would say are success or not success but I guess this leads me to my next question what would you say success is for you I don't know I think success for me like it's a feeling more than anything because there's nothing in the external world that will make us feel whole in our internal world. And so success for me is a feeling. So I might actually feel successful putting my phone down for 30 minutes and giving my kids 30 minutes of like undivided, unlike challenged time and attention, right? Because 30 minutes with my kids on my phone is not the same quality as 30 minutes with my kids off my phone. So I feel very successful in those minutes so I feel very much that success is like an inner feeling that has nothing to do with our material world or the external world. And there are different days that different things will make me feel that success as a human, right? So it might be a little bit different because like I make a lot of money now and I grew up really poor. And I can tell you that all that money and the freedom that has allotted me hasn't done anything for the inner world. It's done a lot for the outer world, right? And so for me, the success is really that feeling of feeling really whole um, inside and then out. And so for me, it worked backwards. I got my outer world kind of right mm -hmm. and then started looking back within and I feel much more successful. Like when I go ice skating on Friday nights, I'm so tired after a whole week of serving and like I have to take a nap at five. Like the last thing I want to do is actually go out. But when I tell myself, you made this commitment to yourself for a reason, go do it. And I always feel better on the outside. I feel successful in those minutes because in those moments, because I did something I said I was going to do. And that helps me build trust with myself, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it has nothing to do with money, it has nothing to do with like my home. Those are the moments that I feel the most successful. Yeah. What you're talking about is kind of what I've been calling in my own mind, soul-centered success, where it's just like, um, basically what you're saying, like not, not 
relying on any outside validation, material items, or or like that kind of old paradigm of success to to make you feel successful. It is exactly what you said. How you feel is what makes you feel successful. Um, and I was going to my goodness, I forgot my train of thoughts, but I was going to ask you. Oh, I think it was the energy component. Like for me, I've been really working on how to build my energy so that I can serve more people. And I was wondering if you could talk about that, the ways in which you, um, do you work on your energy trying to expand it or do you just naturally allow yourself to just work when you have energy? Because I, I, you kind of talked about this before, but yeah, I just want to ask you about energy. How, how do you have the energy to serve so many people? <laughs> well, I mean, I couldn't a few years ago, right? So in mediumship, we have what is called power, right? It's, it's a term that predates, you know, corporate greediness. So power and mediumship term really goes back to mid 19th century. And it's really around like the expansion of like the aura, right? This is where we get our energetic capacity. So in mediumship, you sit in the power so that you can feel your energy, you can feel your power. And then when you go into a reading setting, you can feel that power kind of kick in. And that power is actually what helps sustain us energetically in my experience. But we're running a marathon. So it's like you can't run a marathon right away. You have to learn how to run that first mile and recover and get the lungs rested, right? And then you can run two miles all of a sudden the next month. Then you can run three miles and all the way you're working yourself up to like 46 miles. That could take some people years. It took me years to be able to do that. So in parallel to the way I serve, I could only do four readings a month for, for a long time. And then I was able to do eight readings a month. Then I was able to do like eight readings a week. And that took years of building my power. And then I discovered that I actually am more active in my power when I'm teaching. Like when I was teaching, I was able to expand my power in ways that I even couldn't in my mediumship. And so then the capacity and the power that I was able to create it within myself started expanding by not sitting in the power all the time, but by actually serving and putting myself out there. So much like in my teaching world, because most of my career now is in teaching, I could only hold space and capacity for like 60 people when the first membership opened up. And that blew my mind that I could hold space for 60 people since my first circle was only eight and then four and then eight and then all of a sudden 60. And now we have 96 people in there. Plus I have another program with, you know, 60 more people and then my one-on-one slide. So I'm like, I'm holding space now for 200 people, which I couldn't do last year. And so I believe that the world of spirit does act as my agent in a lot of ways. They bring me the most aligned clients. They bring me the students. You were really drawn to me through your declaration to the world of spirit. And we are only given what we can actually hold capacity for. So if somebody's out there saying like, I wanted to like 50 people in my program, but I only got 10, that doesn't mean you did a bad job marketing. That just means the world of spirit is telling you right now, all you can energetically hold without losing yourself over here are these 10. So focus on serving these 10 and managing your energy and then trust that the next time is probably going to be 20. And then the next time is probably going to be 30. And the next time is going to keep increasing much like that marathon analogy. But what you have to look for is because for a lot of us in the service world, we just give it all away to those 10 and then we suck at life. And then we're like, you know, coping with energetic hangovers with like alcohol or carbs or cannabis or, or Netflix or TikTok. 
and we're not actually doing the work to help build our capacity over here. So it's like looking at, you know, can you still hang out with your friends after serving over here? Can you still prioritize like moving your body and like being nutritious? And there's a lot of alignments that are happening in our human world that will also serve us in our business world. And that's what I wasn't doing for a long time. It's like it was slowly growing and building because I wasn't looking at my human. I wasn't looking at, hey, this is a lifestyle now. Where can I incorporate the lifestyle that will also supplement and support here if continual growth is what I desire? For some people, they don't care. They're happy with 30 for the rest of their life. They don't desire that growth. I do. I want to stick in front of thousands one day. Yeah, no, I do. And I do too. And I think we have so many, I think we have similarities in a lot of the ways we see ourselves in the future, but you, okay. So let me kind of back up. So you said that you had worked on building your power for so long, and then you realized that with teaching, it kind of, in a way was giving you that, that power. Is that right? Yeah. So are there other ways that we can build our power that are not necessarily like sitting down and doing it the old-fashioned way and just like meditating like do you think that sitting in the power is also just the way that we are connected to our divine our spiritual essence and and that there are many ways in which we can do that i'm just wondering sitting in the power in itself is more of an exercise of getting to know your own energy So if we're connecting with guides, with angels, with departed loved ones, we need to know what our energy feels like so that we can send something outside of ourselves stepping forward because this type of work is that subtle for so many of us. Not everyone. Some people have lightning bolt profound experiences. I'm not one of those people. Everything has been very subtle for me. So sitting in the power as a first step was a good way for me to get to know what my energy feels like. Right. So that's what that is kind of about. And then learning to expand your aura and then bring it back in so that we also understand that we have energetic sovereignty. Our energetic experience is up to us how much we give away, how much we sense. Right. So, so the part of it that I'm, I think I'm talking about is that part of what you're saying is when you are able to expand your aura and to expand your spiritual essence. Yeah. Right. So So that part of it is what makes you have more energetic currency, I would say. Like, right. Yeah. So I tell people there's a couple things to this, right? Like, this is multi layered here. Like, when it comes to like sitting in power, just from a mediumship lens, people are like, I want to connect deeper with spirit. I'm like, how long can you hold your power when you're sitting in the power before you start thinking about the grocery list, before you start? thinking about how much time has it been is very indicative of how long you can hold a mediumship link for. So there are direct correlations between how long you can sustain that power in that sitting and how long you can sustain that connection with the spirit world. And same when we have a mentor, mentee in front of us, how long we can sit in that powerful state with ourselves is exactly how long we will be able to give ourselves fully to our clients. But as I got to know that, I don't want anyone to bypass the step, which is why I take it. Because if you just go out there and just start like inspired speaking and teaching without doing this work around your energetic sovereignty, you won't sustain the path, right? Like a lot of people start this path and don't sustain the path because they don't get that first step right. You got to get to know yourself better. You got to get to know your energetic capacity and boundaries. Other ways that we can work on building our power are sharing what we know. 
right? So coming out of that spiritual closet and sharing with people, like we're always teachers and we don't have to know this much, you know, a huge amount before we step into the teaching role because the teacher is a week ahead of the student. So there are people in your life, if all you took was one mediumship development class, there are things that you can share with other people. Sharing that knowledge is a way to build your power. Um, teaching is a way to build your power. Holding your boundaries is a huge way of building your power. Like I never felt more powerful than when I fired a client and I decided in that moment, I know my worth. I know what I have to share with the world and how valuable I am and having somebody not recognize that same value and giving me the opportunity to see that within myself and telling them we're not a fit anymore was one of the most powerful things I've ever done for myself. And so I've seen even creating and upholding boundaries with other people for our own sake to be another way of accessing our personal power and expanding that power. Yeah, definitely. And I love um, how you teach like that permission to have boundaries that has helped me also hugely in my career. And I'm, you got me thinking about the way you're also talking about building our power. Is part of it, would you say, the way we receive energy from other people too? Like the more you serve, the more you receive, the more you're sharing space energetically with people. Is, is that, do, have yeah. you thought of it in that way? Like, do you handle like you are being, you're receiving the energy from serving almost 200 clients and that is also helping you? grow and expand. Absolutely. But this has also been a big exercise of boundaries because that's been one of the hardest things for me as I've been building my audience and more people are signing up for my stuff is, again, I used to give it all away, complete (laughs) open channel in this give and receive. And I would be completely burnt out. Like my old Q&As, they were my favorite thing to do in the community, but they were the ones that taxed me the most for some reason. When all I'm sharing is my knowledge that's in my mind, but it's because I was too open energetically. And then people are not only taking the words from my mouth, but they're taking my, my power and my energy at the same time. So I had to find a way in my teaching to share my wisdom, share my knowledge, but also protect my energy so that they only get what they actually need at this time and not everything. And ever since I've been practicing that energetically, I have been less taxed um, energetically and that's just a boundary thing. It's like an energy leak, if you will, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you ever data leak on your phone, it's like an energy leak where I was like, whoa, I didn't realize I was giving them everything. <laughs> and then trying to come back a little bit where it's like, I need to preserve as well. Do I have to give them everything to have this all land? No, right? That is huge because I think that a lot of, at least for me in the beginning, And maybe even now, I think I go sometimes into sessions just wanting to give everything. And that is just such an unhealthy way of, for one, you know, the the easiest way to tax our our energy system. So when you serve, would you say the way to not do that would be to be centered, would be to be, how how do you or how have you learned Mm -hmm. to not do that? Like. So this might be annoying for some people because (laughs) it's like there's no like magic trick, but it's my intention. It's just I have seen the power of my word. I've seen the power of my prayer and what I say is. And so if I go into a session saying they are getting my wisdom, but they are not getting all my energy. And so it is. And so I just declare 
in everything I do through intention, what is about to happen and what is not going to happen. Right. And so that's all I do. Um, I don't visualize. I don't do anything else. It's just like, they're going to get my wisdom, my knowledge, but I'm going to preserve my energy for myself because I'm going into mommy mode after. And I want to give my kids that energy. Right. And that's been a real tough balance for me because being a Capricorn South node, prioritizing my kids is not easy for me. That's the struggle in my life. Right. Because I'm so career oriented and it's so easy for me to step into that like worker bee mode. The challenge in my life being my North Node Capricorn has been like, can you be successful here, but also be successful in your in your home life? And so I've had to learn that my family deserves the best of me. Um, and so that's been like the real kind of trick is like also understanding why I want to preserve my energy and having real intention and meaning behind that as well. But I think, you know, we deserve this and we not only do we deserve this to to have, you know, a, a, a life outside of mediumship or serving the spiritual community, but we we have to have that in order to like we're saying to to do this work in the long run. And I know that I've seen a lot of people, friends that I know that are just severely taxed and drained. And um, so this is really interesting. This is you, you gave me so much to think about in the way that you hold your energy. How are you so vulnerable to your community and at the same time, so sovereign and so um, boundaried? Like how, how to me, it's almost like an opposite Mm. Um, energ- energetic way of functioning. Yeah. So how would you say you do that? So <laughs> the truth is like, I hear that all the time. Like every day in my DMs or in my emails, I get at least one comment. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm not being vulnerable. Like in my mind, I'm just sharing what I'm experiencing. And to me, that doesn't feel vulnerable for some reason. It's just me being me. Like, this is just my personality. It's just how I'm wired. I'm so grateful that other people receive it so well and that they receive that. But there are things that I don't talk about that would be considered very vulnerable that only those closest to me would get to kind of like understand. So I'm just being me and I'm just showing up fully as I come without any agenda, any efforting. There's there's no effort to the way that I show up. It's just how I am. And I don't know if that's helpful for other people, but um, it doesn't feel vulnerable to me. <laughs> you know, as you're talking, what I what I how I see it is that maybe because you're sharing from a teacher lens and you're not sharing to get, you're just so it's the way that you're like doing it is that it's it's almost like in in you're sharing in an expansive, abundant way. You're not sharing so that you can get anything back. Yes. So that makes it sustainable for you because it's yeah. not taking away. You're not, you're not sharing from lack. You're yes. sharing from just let me help people. Let me, I love that. Well, and I, what I've seen is there's like maybe different meanings behind vulnerable that we all have because one right. thing that has really turned me off in the spiritual space has been people selling their trauma and yeah. wrapping that up as vulnerability when it's just trying to trigger someone because the old paradigm of masculine marketing is if you trigger someone, that's good because then you have their attention. I don't believe in that. That's yeah. not magnetic in any way. And so I don't talk about my trauma, right? Because I don't need to. Why would I want to go out there and like trigger everyone 
my therapist knows about my trauma, my family knows about my trauma, but I don't sell it to my audience to try to be relatable. And I think that that's where that disconnect around being vulnerable is. The old paradigm of vulnerable is trying to sell your trauma to be relatable. When can we all just show up and just like be ourselves without apology and trust that whoever is attracted to that will be attracted to that and whoever isn't, isn't. Uh Yeah, beautiful. I love that. So let me go to my questions because I had so many for you. Okay, so what are your thoughts on ego in the spiritual community and how, because I know that you say that the difference between a, a good medium and a great medium is confidence, right? So how do you see ego playing a role in being a great medium? Or, or I want to kind of, because I guess I'm an Akashic Record reader as well. I don't want to just like hone it in on mediums, but you know what I mean? Like in the light worker community. Do you think it's easy for people to have ego in this word? Well, there's a lot I can say on this topic because I don't see the ego as being inherently bad. I think it's something that we're divinely brought in with because we're meant to learn to use it to our advantage and to live harmoniously with it. And it puts us in check sometimes. Like I get a lot of fan mail. I get a lot of people telling me I've changed their lives. Um, there are a lot of things that like can boost my ego in very amazing, but also unhealthy ways, which is how come I'm so appreciative of having a husband that is not spiritual because without him, who knows where my ego would take me because it keeps me very centered, grounded, and humbled in my day-to-day life. Now, I actually heard this philosophy from John Edwards. I was able to ask him a question in October of 2021. And what I asked him was, do you ever feel good enough in this path? Because I haven't been there yet. Like I feel like I'm a good medium and sometimes I could be seen as a great medium, not one of the best, but will I ever feel good enough? And, you know, he's been doing this for 30, 35 years. And he said, no, he said, you know, you just need a shot glass of ego in this work and anything over that, it might get a little bit messy. You just need enough to show up to that reading. You just need enough to get onto that stage. And then you let spirit take over after that. So there is a fine line, but I've seen lots of people be very successful driven from the ego and they have their audience and they have the people that they can serve. So just because somebody might be carried away with their ego or their ego may be taking over a little bit more than their divine connection, it doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean that they haven't found their way. They will attract the people who they can serve at that time. Um, For me personally, confidence has been the biggest struggle in my mediumship development journey. And my ego has been the voice that has been like, you're not safe to be seen. Once people get to know you, they're not going to like you. And like, there's a lot of things that come up with my ego. It's never been like around money or success. It's been around that self depreciation that I've had since I was born. (laughs) That's how my ego kind of runs amok. So if I can then learn a trick I started doing really early in mediumship is before I would sit for a reading, I would be like, okay, ego, thank you for keeping me alive. (laughs) Thank you for keeping me, you know, safe in this space. But at this point in time, I'm going to ask you to go sit over there and I'm going to get to my work and you can come back and play after. I would literally talk to my ego like that and give it a role and a function and see the beauty it does have in my life but where I don't need it at this time. Because when I'm doing my mediumship, it should just be me and the world of spirit. But I did need that ego to get me in that seat and to put my name out there. So I think it's just 
a dance of learning to live harmoniously with the ego, but also trusting that if it does get away with you a little bit, that you can course correct at any time and be well forgiven if you can forgive yourself. Right, right. We need, it's like ego is identity, right? Like we need, we need, would you say that? I kind of look at ego as being identity and that I am kind of energy. And you're right, without it, without a little bit of that, you can't really do anything. And that's an, that's the other side of, of kind of rejecting your ego is like saying, well, who am I to even do this? Like, I'm, I'm not even worthy of, yeah, like we can't undo our ego. I, I agree. So interesting. Okay. Do you feel that your calling to serve and do this work is aligned with your personality or is there ways in which you've had to kind of stretch and grow your yourself to in order to do what you want to do in your career? I love that question. I don't know how to be any other way, <laughs> to be honest with you. Trying to be anything else is just incredibly draining. So the fact that I can be someone who on Instagram will have a sacred post about my divine feminine, about the dark night of the soul, and about real deep feminine internal wars kind of going on and the lessons that I've learned throughout it. And then the next post, fo- like next post, post 10 funny memes that also highlight my twisted and dark sense of humor. It's beautiful, right? Because I could be both those things and they both serve my personality because the truth is I don't do things surface level. I don't like being on the surface with people. I can't have small talk. I don't want friendships that are like not deep and intentional. I don't have space in my life for it. But I also have this personality of me that uses humor for everything. And that like a lot of my life has been as beautiful as it is because I can see the humor in everything. And so why can't I be both and all of those things to the outer world and not be fully accepted? And the truth is I accept all those sides of myself and I share all those sides of myself, especially on Instagram. And I'm accepted because I accept myself with it. So yes, I think that this career allows me much more than the corporate world to be fully me and all sides of me. I mean, you've been my friend. We talk every day, right? Like, I don't think that there's a day we don't talk and connect. And and sometimes I'm crying to you and I'm sad and I'm insecure and I'm needing like a pep talk. And then the next day I show up like fully in my power. It doesn't mean that I'm disingenuous or that I'm inauthentic. It's actually the most authentic way to show up. And so I have, you know, no put it out there. Like I'm not bipolar or anything, but I have a bunch of different sides of my personality. And I think being an entrepreneur and being a teacher allows me to authentically show up in all these different ways with all these different sides of my personality and just trust that because I accept myself, other people will also accept me. Yeah, definitely. Now, how would you say that you're stretching yourself? Because I kind of also look at like where I see myself going and where I see you going as like really stepping onto a big stage and serving even more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So within, is there any part of your spiritual growth that you feel like you're kind of um, moving towards or stepping into or or like stretching, not in a negative way, but just yeah. kind of stepping into a new level of who you are? Like, what would you say that might be? 
Yeah. I mean, I constantly try to walk through fear, like the things that kind of make me nervous or I don't want to do. I try my best to move closer towards those things because the evidence that I have built around my career, my life are that the things that are on the other side of those things that I fear the most are the things that I actually needed for my expansion. So right now, one of my biggest fears, or I wouldn't even say fear, it'd be more of like a resistance has been doing like online group readings. I never even did like in-person group readings. I did two demonstrations of mediumship right before lockdown. And it took everything in me to show up for those two things. And what I experienced on the other side of those two things was nothing short of a miracle and complete magic. And I'm constantly going to have things that come up and frighten me that I'm going to have to guide myself to walk through. Now, some of those things may take me days, weeks, sometimes years to walk through. But I know that that's where I'm going, but it's my divine free will, how I get there, when I get there, what that looks like, and how I show up in those moments. So my spirit messages I have in my podcast are some of the scariest things that I do. And you want to, absolutely, absolutely. Like every, because they're channeling and this most recent one for March, you'll hear is like, I didn't use any cards. It was like a straight channel, had my assistants listen to them saying like, can you, like, is this okay? Because my ego wants me to delete it and re-record and do what would be predictable. But I can't be predictable if I want to continue to expand. And I have come here to live the human experience in its fullness and to continue to expand. And so even though sometimes I desperately want to not post these things and not do them, the audience resonates with them the most. My assistants validate for me. And just based off the feedback I get, they're usually the podcast episodes I hear the most about and they're the scariest ones for me to do. And so there's things that are going to be coming up in the community that are going to be pushing me in that level a little bit too. And yeah, I mean, just constantly doing things that kind of scare you. I'm scared to be on TV. I have not pitched to be on a major podcast ever. Um, I haven't, there's a lot of things that I know that are in my future that I have not taken active steps towards. So there's still lots of things for me to continue to walk through. And again, might take me months, might take me years. That is like my divine free will, but I will get there and I will do it all because I will not go to my deathbed regretting a thing. Believe me, me too. That's like that. That's something that really motivates and drives me as well. So where do you think that your desire to expand comes from? Do you think it's somehow tied to like an, like an ancestral lineage um, healing or pattern that you're breaking? Or, or do you think that it's part of your dharma? Or, or I mean, like where, I'm just curious, where do you, or do you think it's just, that's your free will and this is what you want to do? But I kind of feel, I, I guess for me, the way that I have this desire to expand comes from a lot of different things. But where do you think yours comes from? It's hard for me to say. There's no one else in my entire family. And I mean, going back generations that has been an entrepreneur, that has been known, that has pursued their dreams. I'm literally the first in my entire family. Um, so I do believe that that is part of my calling. That is part of what I kind of set out for myself um, to really push myself out there because I don't have any living examples of what wild success looks like um, or what being known looks like. I'm the first. 
And so in a lot of ways, I do feel that this is kind of creating a new pattern for the family to come. And it's no mistake that my mediumship ability to really woke up in me without like through the birth of my daughter, my first child. Um, And I, I do feel that a lot of my path is actually for them. And I do believe that. So yeah, I feel like I'm literally the first (laughs) in my entire lineage to take this path. And I know you're a year nine, right? Is that what it is in yes. numerology? So do you think you're coming back to Earth after this lifetime? Or do you think maybe part of this expansion and spiritual growth is that you are, I don't know, evolving to that next level and maybe, you know, leaving your legacy and that's it? Do you think I, I thought about this my whole life because I first heard of this concept through Sylvia Brown's work when I was a teenager. I read all her books. She had 42 books at the time. I read every one of her books at that time. And she had a philosophy and it was a quote that she said in one of her, all of her books probably, because they were very repetitive if you read them all. But um, she said, you know, I've never read for more people that this is their last life. And for some reason, I always kind of have this knowing, like, I think that this might be my last go around, you know, like maybe I can't say for sure, because I'm sure I can change my mind when I go there. But there's also a reason why so much of my path has been centralized around spirit guides. I do believe I'm a spirit guide above anything else. And my desire, whether that is ascension or not ascending, has been very much around, I want to be a spirit guide. Getting that connection I have with Skylar and Vaness and Joseph, like my main guides that are always kind of hanging around me, I cry thinking about returning that favor to them. And so at this point in my consciousness and how awake I am, if I never come back again, but I get to hold that role of being someone's spirit guide on the other side, I can't imagine being unfulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting you thought about that because I, I, I just thought, I don't know, that was just some download that I got that maybe that is the case for you. But like you said, we always have free will. But I do believe that a lot of us, it, I also really believe a lot, it is our last lifetime here, at least maybe on this planet for um, as we evolve. So, okay. Well, my goodness, I kind of took a lot of your time. Do you have time for one last question? Of course. Or, yeah. Oh, you know, this is just random. But do you talk to your husband and family about what you do or do you kind of keep it private? How do they take like, your spiritual career or do you even talk to them about it yeah everyone gets a little bit different from me mostly through humor keep in mind i use humor for everything so if you were flying the wall in my kitchen (laughs) and my husband came home from work and my husband is very earthly like he's capricorn too right for for a sign but it's like he's an amazing human being but he has zero interest in anything spiritually so he might say to me you know, how are your readings today? And I'd be like, oh my God, like I had an angel come through for this like guy. And he'd be like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want to hear about it. He was like, I was just trying to be kind. He doesn't want to hear <laughs> about it. Um, but he will ask me now, um, nine years into my journey because we love each other and he loves me as a person. My kids get a different side of me because I try really hard not to, I see a lot of parents want to create like little gurus. I've yeah. never taken that approach. If they have opened up a conversation to me, happy to engage in it, but I've never forced spirituality upon them. But like even yesterday, my kids try to like, you know, fib and lie. They're five and eight. And I would be like, do you know who your mother is? And I'll say, do you know who your mother is? Like I'm a psychic. And 
KJ would say to me, my little girl, she's like, you are not psychic. And then yesterday she actually said to me, what is psychic? And I tried to use it in an eight-year-old sense where I'd be like, well, sometimes like I think things and then they like happen. Or sometimes I think things and I tell people what I think and it like makes sense. And she's like, that happens to me. And she's told me about these two dreams she had. She's like, I had a dream that Chloe asked me to play puppies with her. And then the next day she asked me to play puppies with her. And so it was kind of cool. I get covered in shivers, but it was kind of like this. I was like, KJ, please always tell me stories like this because that's exactly what psychic is. And then trying to like really ground her by saying everyone has this, everyone, but not all of us will recognize that in our life. And that's all. And trying to like not create little gurus with big egos and, you know, it's a fine balance. So, and then my parents probably get... They never ask me about things, but they are the ones that I will probably tell them the most spiritual oh, really? stories about because they are so open to me being like, if I tell them about like what the angels said to me and like the whole story of how that unfolds, like they get the details. Like my parents get the most details of my spiritual experiences and they just sit there and listen and they don't react. And they'll be like, thank you for sharing that with us. That's really sweet. Are there just any of your, are your parents at all? Do they, are, do they have any psychic gifts or, or did your grandparents have any ability to communicate? I'm just curious because for me, my parents, they're very interested in spirituality, but I wouldn't say that they're mediums, but then both of my grandparents were. So sometimes I wonder if it skips mm-hmm. a generation. I didn't think that they were, but I did get a story from my dad two years ago, my indigenous grandmother, so my First Nations grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing he told me was that, because like, there's a lot there, right? To like unpack. And so like, <laughs> but he told me that she used to try to teach him how to be clairvoyant. And so that kind of opened up like this door to me that my grandmother was into this stuff. But of course, being indigenous, a residential school survivor, she wasn't very open about her life very much, but she is one of the main spirit helpers I have in my mediumship, especially in my teaching. And my mom would just say things like her mom would go to a psychic or something like that. So I would say that there was like, and then my grandfather, who was not a nice, kind human being in any way, shape or form, used to go to spiritualist church. I didn't know that till after he died, but he used to go every week to the spiritualist church. And I was like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, so I, I don't know fully the extent of it, but I can say with certainty that there was definitely interest in it. How far they took it, I don't know. I'll never know, unfortunately, but um, in this life anyways. But yeah, they, they had interest in it for sure. Okay, one quick last question. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, where do you see yourself in, in 10 years? In 10 years, okay, what I hope for myself and what I have had visions around. I'm obsessed with Caroline Mice. Like I think she's one of the most amazing living legends that we have when it comes to her work. And for some reason, I keep seeing a very similar path that she has. Um, Lectures, traveling, speaking. My books will be me speaking more than you reading. I am here to share my voice and I am here to share whatever experiences I have and whatever kind of spirit brings me. And I think I've built up enough trust in the world of spirit that they know that I will share without hesitation or scarcity, everything that I experienced and everything I learned from it. So I do feel very much that they will continue growing my audience, continue putting me in positions that help me overcome my fear. So I get that, that successful feeling from expanding 
but then I can also continue to be of more service for them. So I feel very much that I'm going to continue to just share my life in whatever platform or modalities come down the social platforms (laughs) and whatever they want. But I resonate the most with the way that Caroline Mice teaches and the way that she shares her medicine with the world, which is more lectures than anything else. I love lectures. Yeah. And she does retreats. I, I I signed up for one of her retreats once and then I never was able to make it, but I love her too. Mm-hmm. And I see that for you. And you're not only a dear friend, you know how much I adore you, mm-hmm. but you have been so pivotal in my life um, as a developing medium and just also really in, I guess, the way I see myself also as being a spiritual entrepreneur. So I thank you so much for everything that you give to me. And I know many other people hold you near and dear to their hearts. And I am excited for your future. And I'm excited to go to one of your retreats one day. (laughs) Yes, I, I will have retreats. Hopefully this year, if not next year, once the pandemic and potential World War III figures itself out, but I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to be on this podcast and it's been a really fun conversation. So thank you. Yeah, there has. Okay, well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy learning about my personal journey with Akashic Record transformation. I believe that by sharing our stories of inspiration and transformation, together we rise. If you are interested in learning more about the Akashic Records or would like to see all my offerings, please go to my website, themalibumedium.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Malibu Medium. And please don't forget to rate and review the show. I would also love to hear from you. Please leave a comment and share it with your friends if you think they would find it helpful. Together we rise empowered. Your light is fearless.